This is Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, in service to the Restorative Justice Ministry, which is service to those who are incarcerated, and to all of us who receive them out into the world once they have left incarceration. I'm joined today by Renee Brown, our Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, and we're working our way through a series of presentations on things for people who have been incarcerated to take to themselves and consider for a successful transition from the incarcerated life into life outside, and certainly in addressing them while they're in prison because they can hear us today. Also for the rest of us, if we begin to allow our hearts to accept these people back into our communities, uh, to see ourselves as agents of their transition and of their success so that they don't have to uh, find themselves in situations after incarceration where they say, I have no other option, uh, at least the way I'm looking at things, than to recommit crimes. We can be of assistance with that. It's not always easy, and we don't always feel comfortable with it. We're hoping our conversations over these uh, several sessions will assist all of us to get into a a little bit better comfort zone there and to wade into those waters of assisting people when they have come out of incarceration. So um, as we've mentioned before, uh, Renee has had a, a daughter named Tierney who has spent some time in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, the state prison system. And she's been out for how long now? Um, Almost three years. Okay, so she's been out for three years, which is a good chunk of time. And we've talked about how mm-hmm. time can be a healing agent and all. So my guess is after three years and you being a clinician and mom at the same <laughs> time, you've probably done some data gathering about how she has navigated these three years. Would there be uh, some basics that she's offered to you of how she has successfully made three years into what they have become today? Yes. So I was talking with her the other night and um, I was like, you know, what what do you think has helped you, you know, get through this? And it's not to say that it's been perfect because it hasn't. She's had several challenges. Um but in getting it all together, her her big thing um, was get a job. Like that was number one, get a job. And for so many different reasons, um, primarily because it fills time. You know, um, Tierney, when she went into prison, um, it was there were some drug charges. And so um, drugs have been a part of her life. Um, and so. When you leave prison and you've done your time, so to speak, it doesn't mean that that desire for drugs is gone. And there's something about walking out those doors, you know. um, And she told me even when she was locked up, there were several times that things would happen and she would think about drugs, you know, because it's easy, right? Like it had been her coping skill for so long. So when she walked out, even in the free world, you know, that's been her way of coping. And so in terms of like get a job, you know, um, and it was the way she said it. It was just very forceful and great. I loved it. But it feels time. And so, you know, eight hours a day, you're at work and you're focused on your job and you don't have time to be in your head. You know, she didn't have time to think about drugs or how she may have messed up her life or had she disappointed people. All the feelings that she was experiencing for eight hours a day, she wasn't in her head. And then along with that, um, well, and that's what she said. I actually wrote down all the I took notes on what she said. 
um, having that job got her out of her head. She wasn't spending time, you know, in her thoughts, in her negative thoughts. She wasn't spending time, you know, just in feelings, you know, all the negative stuff. So by having a job and having that routine, it helped her to fill the time and fill the thoughts. And she said it also gave her meaning. You know, she spent um, almost a year and a half, two years of feeling like I have no meaning. I'm not being productive. I mean, she had a job, um, but still it just didn't feel like it was more uh, a job to fill time than that that productive piece. Like I'm helping people. I'm making money to support myself. I'm making money to support my son. You know, now she feels like with a job, it gave her new meaning. It gave her the ability to be productive again. She felt more like she was part of society and being a good citizen because she's working and she's producing. And so it also helped, she said, with like her confidence, you know, like you forget the things like while incarcerated, one of the things that she shared with me is she kind of forgot who she was. You know, she kind of lost part of that identity of like, you know what, I'm a smart kid. Like, I know some stuff, you know, like she did really well in school. So just kind of remembering those skills and, and the way that she would interact with people. Um, so for her, it was also a boost to the confidence. And for a lot of people leaving prison, like when she walked out those doors, I mean, her confidence and self-esteem was was not very good, you know. And so by getting that job and working every day and being productive, it helped with her confidence as well. Um, One of the other things that she thought would be helpful for people, too, is kind of learning how the world changes. And for her, that was more people who she maybe talked to or met inside that had been there for a while because our world rapidly changes the way we do things. I mean, iPhones change. um, People change. Jobs change the way we do things. Um, You know, if, if you've been in prison for a while, well, now we don't typically pay people at a toll booth you know now they just do it they send you a bill in the mail right or you get a toll tag and put it on your car cell phones are always being upgraded that changes I can remember I personally had a friend who was doing some volunteer work at his local library and an incarcerated person came in they were released on parole and they needed to do everything online and this man had been incarcerated for 20 years. He didn't even know what that looked like. And so my friend walked him through the process of getting all his paperwork f- filled out. So for her, that was like an important thing, too, like learning how the world has changed and then establishing a routine. Um, routine is like so important. Like, you know, I get up at seven o'clock. I've got to get dressed, you know, take a shower, get my clothes on, brush my teeth, eat breakfast. I need to leave at eight because it's going to take me 45 minutes in Austin traffic to get to work. Right. And so having that routine, I'm going to be at work until this time. Then I come home and cook dinner, etc. Having a routine helped her just to kind of keep her day in check and keep it focused. And also it helped her not have so much free time um, because free time might mean that you're going to get in trouble somehow, some way. And so her whole purpose of the routine um, was to avoid trouble. And because most people are on a routine, 
most of us live on a routine. When you're working, you have a routine of what you're going to do. So even for her, like she has certain days that she does laundry. Um, She had certain days that she was seeing her son. Uh, She had certain weekends to have him. So everything was about routine. Um, One of the other things for her was housing. She brought this up to me because she was sharing with me that some of the ladies that she was incarcerated with, um, they didn't know where they were going to go when they got out, where she already had a plan. She was coming home with me. Now, we had some rules that we were, you know, there was just some certain things that were going to happen. But she knew when she was released, I was picking her up and she would be coming to my home. And so having that housing is so important. And one of the things that she mentioned to me, um, you know, is, you know, encouraging people to to talk with their family and friends, you know, hey, is it okay if I stay with you for a time being? If, if it's a person that's maybe not married and doesn't have a wife to go home or they don't have parents, but just finding that person that you can go live with because finding housing can be very challenging. If you're looking into HUD or apartments, um, that can be challenging to find out there. So lining up housing so you're not on the streets because if you're having to live on the streets or you're you know, just kind of living from person to person, you're going to be more apt to fall into old patterns of behavior. Um, And her, um, it's interesting, um, uh, not just because her mom is a therapist, but she she really believes in therapy. Um, She had counselors that she worked with uh, prior to prison. Um, She was in a rehab for a while, so she had counselors there that were able to, like, really give her tools. She didn't always use them, but they were able to give her tools. And I think she even did some counseling while she was incarcerated as well. So coming out because of her anxiety, especially the anxiety and just some of her distorted thinking, um, Tierney felt it was really beneficial to find a therapist. And it took her a couple of time. It took her a couple of different people to find somebody that she could connect with. And and I would express that as well. People often think, um, oh, I'm going to go in and this is going to be the therapist for me. And I'm going to encourage all of you that are listening. If you if you go to a therapist and you didn't like them or you didn't feel like you connected with them, Find another therapist. I mean, it's just like going to a medical doctor. Sometimes we go to a medical doctor or a dentist and you didn't really like them and you go to another one. It's the same thing with the therapist. That connection is crucial. This relationship that you're going to have with your therapist is really important. And so for her, therapy has been uh, just very helpful. Um, And she does weekly sessions with her therapist. So um, she promoted that. And then um, her other thing was to join a support group or to find a a church um, to join, primarily because with a church, not only for the spiritual connection, but because it's a place to develop positive relationships. And that was something that she was looking for because most of her friends in the outside world were people who did drugs. And she, and it wasn't that she didn't care about these friends. It's just that she understood herself enough to know and understood enough from going to rehab that often with drug addiction, there 
is the piece with people and places. If you go back to the same people and places, you'll develop your same patterns of behavior and possibly use again. So she was just looking for ways like, how can I make friendships that are going to be more positive? And so for her, um, it was joining uh, a church. And she found some positive uh, people that she met there and has been able to establish some friendships. And that also helped with the loneliness, which we talked about in our last segment, was that feeling of loneliness. Even though she's out, she's reconnecting, that kind of helped with loneliness because for her, loneliness also equated with some of her drug use. So when she felt lonely inside, she would turn to drugs. So she understood that if I don't want to do drugs, I've got to understand all the pieces that that turn me to drugs, right? And so she wanted to make sure she had some positive relationships and friends in place. And then for her also finishing her education, Tierney had her high school diploma, had done some college, but... Um, she wanted to continue going to college. And so she's currently still taking college classes. She's getting a, a degree in business management and I think with HR in there as well. And so um, the interesting thing about the education piece for her has been that it's really um, given her like more meaning for life. It feel, she feels like she has a more meaningful life, one, and it's also increased her confidence and self-esteem. Like, oh, wow, you know, I can do this. You can come out of prison and do something with your life. I can get a degree in business management. I can either work in HR or start my own business or help mom with her business in some way, right? And so um, for her going back to class, and she was truly nervous about it. And it wasn't even so much the incarceration part, but because of years of doing drugs, she was really worried about the, the ability to not just to learn, but retain information. And she's done really well. If anything, I think all of this learning is stimulating her brain cells. Um, and, oh, in turn with um, the spiritual connection, I'm sorry, I had an arrow and missed something. But in regard to church or a support group, the other thing that she brought up to me was that sometimes she, when she first left prison, she felt hopeless and helpless. She kind of felt helpless. Like, what do I do? Like, it's hard to get hired for a job, you know, when you have a background. It's hard to find housing, you know, with background. And so sometimes she just felt helpless. But by having a good support group and friends that she made through church, she didn't feel so helpless because it was always somebody to kind of guide her in a different direction. Or, or have you tried this? Did you think about that? And when she was feeling hopeless, she had God there and her friends to kind of help her through. Um, and then her other thing was to locate um, local resources for help. Um, you know, your city or community should have resources available, you know, to help those that have been incarcerated. Um, it's just tapping into them. And in a in a segment that we're going to get to uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk more about that. But there are community resources to help those that have been incarcerated. Um, for her finding housing when she moved out of my house, because now she has her own place, that was a huge challenge because most of the places that were available to her, 
you know, they give you a list. The, these apartments will take uh, people that have felony background. Well, they were in really challenging neighborhoods uh, with people who are doing drugs or maybe a lot of criminal activity. And one, she can't be around that. And the drug piece just can't happen. And so she really got out there and just called different complexes, different apartment homes, and found a, uh, a place that would take her. It didn't matter about her background. They, she had a job. She could prove her income. She hadn't been in any trouble. And they were like, yeah, come on in. And so now she has her own place. So that was awesome as well. And then her last one in big caps, it says, avoid trouble. Um, so those were just some of her suggestions for um, the basics for life outside. We're talking today with Renee Brown, who is Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin in the Restorative Justice Ministry, and we're addressing in a series of uh, sessions uh, how to help people leave prison and reintegrate back into society so that they have a higher probability of staying there and not having to, to go back to prison. I want to double down on one thing that you've said in a couple of our sessions, and it's about the positive and the negative, that, that the overwhelming uh, sense of a person's life as they drop down into that, that uh, decision-making process that I'm going to commit a crime, I commit it, I get convicted, I go through the the criminal justice system, I serve time, just so heavily inundated with negative stuff, and it gets to be a norm that's kind mm -hmm. of tough to shake. And a lot of these basics that you said about your daughter, Tierney, uh, who has had this experience, are all about kind of, to me, reversing that, that there's positives in every single thing, uh, the job. Our church teaches that human labor is one of those places where you discover God-given gifts and talents that you have. Um, the thing about the world changing around you. You know, we've had a huge amount of economic growth in the state of Texas up to the pandemic. Uh, buildings in places where uh, the, a, a place that I used to go, it's now gone. You know, my town has changed. It's grown. Um, and, and they may come back and look for familiarity, and, and those things have disappeared. You know, just being ready for that. Um, all these different basics that you gave, but in every single one of them, there's a constant message there. Look for the positive. Positive, uh, acknowledge the negative, but let the positive be the overriding uh, reality. And if you have trouble with that, go back to your basics of who am I as a child of God, loved by God, a, a sister or brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though I'm having trouble stepping out of the negative, he's that light that is my constant positive. And if that's all I've got to lean on today, because I didn't get the job, they said no to me for the housing, I'm having trouble with my family members, that's still not going to be forever. And with the love of the Lord, I'm going to be able to keep trying. I'm not going to give up. Because I think that's one of the things that happens is the give up factor. Give up. And, and so I'll just go back to what I knew because this other thing is just too darn hard. But it's worth it. Even when it's hard, it's worth it. Uh, allow that to be an occasion for the Lord to, to have his hands on your back, pushing you forward, even though you really want to retreat and, and, and go backwards. Um, you had touched some in that regard. You had touched some already on um, how counseling and spiritual life uh, helped uh, tyranny mm -hmm. avoid the pitfalls and, and stay out uh, of trouble. What it's beginning to sound like to me, Renee, is that this is kind of a multi-tiered package of, of 
resources. And if our incarcerated who are hearing us today can can hear what Renee is saying, there's a lot of different elements that you can embrace now while you're sitting in your bunk, while you're sitting in your cell. Family members, if you're hearing us, uh, people of goodwill that may want to assist them, uh, may, maybe even on behalf of a victim of crime in your family, and this is how you want to honor the suffering that they've gone through, um, that these are the things that are there and available to us, and yet there's going to be a struggle. It's going to be work. It's going to be all those things. But guess what? All of us struggle and all of us have to work, whether we've been in prison or not. It's part of life. But we give death to those things that tell us there's no way it's going to work. And we breathe life into those things that are truly positive, not just pie in the sky positive, but really positive because we had to work to achieve Mm -hmm. them. So work doesn't have to scare us off. Uh, Discouragement doesn't have to scare us off. Uh, All of those those different things. But uh, all of that to say, you know, I, I hear this package of positivity, of mental health, uh, of spiritual life, of, of avoiding trouble. Um, how would you kind of put that all together for somebody who's, who's hearing us in prison or maybe is in their first month or year or so out of, of prison? How, how important is it to have all of these things? Oh, I think it's vitally important to have everything that she she put in place. I think they're all vital Um, Because they all feed into you personally. They're all about self-care. They're all about building self back up. They're all positive things. It's really, um, I listened to this great, it was called, I think it's called Goal, Goal, Goal Cast last night. And it was this young lady who's in the military, but um, somebody encouraged her to do a pageant, right? And she had to do the pageant six times to finally win it. She never gave up. And her whole purpose in what she was talking about was the word no. And her thing was, is you're going to be told no more than you're going to be told yes. But use that no as a driving force. So when I was sharing with you about housing with Tierney, she was just being told no, 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 or these places were, you know, the places that she might could have gotten into were just in areas that she was not willing to live in because she understood, like, you know, her drug addiction. And so she didn't let the no be a deterrent. She kept going and going until she finally found the place where this leasing agent was like, yeah, come on in. We're going to let you do this. So I think um, when you are working on all of the things that we talked about, getting a job, learning how the world has changed, establishing those routines, finding housing, getting into therapy, getting into church, making new friends that are going to be supportive of you, all of that is going to help you create this new life, which is what you're looking for. You're wanting to come out and create a new life. And by working on all of these things and and knowing, going in knowing that there's going to be some no's, you're going to go out and look for this job and be told no. Bottom line, you have a felony background or you did prison time or whatever it is, you're probably going to get told no, but you're going to keep going until you find the job that goes, yeah, come on, we need somebody. And so I think this is about uh, perseverance. One thing that Tierney did mention to me, too, is about attitude. 
you know, and gratefulness. Those were some of the other pieces that she and I talked about just in general. But part of it, she said, you know, is your attitude. If you go in with the attitude, if it's not going to work out and you're still having, you know, living in that negative place, it's hard to make positive changes when you're living in a negative place. And so part of it is like working on your attitude and then finding those things in your life that are positive and then being grateful for those things. You know, there were a lot of days where she, you know, she shared with me, she goes, I didn't know what to be grateful for. And it could be the smallest thing, like there was milk in the refrigerator, you know, or just something. And so I think um, as families, um, you know, knowing that these are the things that your loved one needs to work on to get their life you know, together again, you know, as much as you can help them with this, help them with that. Or if you're a listener um, and you just want to reach out and help people, you know, what in here can I help somebody with? You know, if your church offers a really good program for for uh, former incarcerated people, maybe you can invite this person to church, give them a ride to church if they don't have transportation. Um I know I have a family that I have worked with, and her um, one of my clients, her brother, was getting out of prison. And so one of the things that they did as a family, they knew because they all work, they were not going to be able to take him to all of his appointments and things. So what they would do, they all bought bus passes for him. And so he had just a ton of bus passes. So when he got out, he didn't have to be dependent upon them for rides or they weren't trying to leave work and change schedules. He had all these bus passes available to him. So even donating bus passes, if you know a family that somebody's going to be getting out of prison soon, maybe donate some bus passes if they live in a city where there's bus passes or something like that. Or even like um, gift cards for food, you know, McDonald's, Jack in the Box, whatever. Just some things like that could be helpful. Gift card to Ross so they can buy, you know, some new clothing because they're going to do interviews. You know, you're going to need to be dressed. That's one of the things that Tierney had to do. We had to go out and buy, you know, just like a nice, we called it her interview outfit, you know, so that when she went into places, she looked nice for the interview. So all of these things um, are going to be so helpful to the person that's incarcerated coming out and for families and just people in general to know how to support them. Because that's one of the things as you get to know people who are incarcerated, you know, there are there's different kinds of categories of souls that are in there. There's some that it, it is. It's a six month stint. It's a two to three year stint. Mm-hmm. It's a 10 year. It's a 20 year. It's a 30 year. The longer that they're in, oftentimes what we see, the less possibility they have for people who are ready to receive them when they get out. Uh, it's family members who uh, have moved on. Um, who have cut them loose uh, because of of the amount of time that they've spent in prison um, that uh, uh, are just not there, have Mm -hmm. died off and and aren't even even part of it. And a lot of what I hear you saying, uh, Renee, is is geared around people who do have somebody there uh, ready to go. So all the more wanting to encourage folks who say to themselves, that's great, but I don't have that, find it. Oh, absolutely. Look, look yeah. for it. Find the community that, that supplements that because that's the kind of thing that's going to keep you out of trouble that you want to avoid. And I was wondering, in addition to those kinds of things, and, and feel free to comment on that, Renee, but about how your daughter has managed to stay out of trouble. Well, it's been very challenging because when she first got out, she had made some new friends and they're great. They're great people, but they like to smoke weed. 
And so, like, you know, she can't do that. So a lot of for her has just been cutting people off, you know, or um, she was dating for uh, someone for a while and there were some issues there. So cutting that person out of her life. So part of it is just mostly, you know, cutting people out when they're not when she finds out that they're not good people, um, you know, and not going back to the same places and people that were previously in her life. So she stayed away from that as well. And, you know, one of the people that she has to, to not spend time with is her own brother. They actually function like twins. It's very interesting. They're 18 months apart. They are extremely close. But he uses drugs. And as much as she adores him and loves him, this is a person that she cannot be around. So for her... um, it's it's kind of not going back to same places or when she finds out a place isn't good for her, it's cutting all of that out. At Catholic Charities, you know, if you're concerned about counseling and the cost, that's usually a big piece. At Catholic Charities in Central Texas, we actually have sliding scale. So we thank Renee for uh, that uh, assistance today in our session and also for reminding us of the sliding scale for Catholic Charities uh, for those who may be challenged with their finances. Um, we ask uh, all to consider that, which is an encouragement to we priests, uh, these five aspects of life, try and have them every single day, gratitude, mercy, compassion, vigilance, and courage. <laughs> 